Welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson of Blue Chip Scouting, and we are your hosts for today's episode. Today is the NFL Draft. We are recording this on Wednesday night, so it's we got just less than 24 hours until uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. Um, so in this little draft preview, Devin and I are just kind of going to shoot the breeze a little bit, just kind of just talk about whatever, um, about the draft process, um, about some of the players, what could happen, um, tonight, uh, in Las Vegas. Could we see any surprise picks? Could we see any surprise trade-ups? Um, I had someone comment under or asking about who Jacksonville could take um, at pick number one. And Devin, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no effing idea who the first overall pick is going to be. Like this is the first draft I can remember where like we truly don't know who the first pick is going to be um, until it, it could end up being leaked like a couple hours beforehand. Like, the Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield ordeal was back in 2018 when I think I think it was Schefter or Rappaport that leaked or that reported that Mayfield was probably going to be the first pick. Um, so who who's going to be the first pick? Like I I, <laughs> I don't know. Do you do you know? Do you have any sources, Devin? <laughs> I don't have sources, but I mean, everything seems to be pointing towards Trayvon Walker coming off the board first. Um, and, and, you know, I feel like it's just kind of been building the last few months. I mean, the NFL probably was already high on him. I think everyone kind of finally came around to him probably around February, like mm-hmm. mid-February or so. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't hate that. I, I think for me personally, I probably would have gotten Akim Aquanu Evan, or Evan Neal just because I feel like those are two dudes that you're not going to get in next year's class. And, and that's just looking ahead already. But I, I don't think you're going to get two dudes of that magnitude uh, in, in a few years, to be honest, because they, they're both like – massive athletic freaks that that can can absolutely do a little bit of everything that that you want i mean Iki Kwanu is a dominant run blocker uh and and can be a a force on the left side of jacksonville's line uh evan neal can be on the left or right side so i i don't think i i, I don't understand because like the nfl was so fascinated for so many years for tack on these types of tackles and, and somehow this, they're probably not going to go number one overall. They might not even go in the top two or three picks. So, I mean, we've heard rumors about, uh, you know, Trayvon Walker, he might go off the board first. Hutch or Thibodeau seems to be the second pick consensus. But I, personally, I think Hutch is going to go second if he doesn't go number one overall. And Hutchinson, and, then, and Hutchinson <laughs> like, um, like Schefter had tweeted out, uh, like right before we started recording, um, like Aiden Hutchinson is expected to be the fourth pick. And the way I looked at that tweet, I'm like, did he, is he just, is he now leaking who the Jaguars are taking number one overall, who the Detroit Lions are taking number two? I'm like, what are we doing? But, and 
what what is Jacksonville doing with Cam Robinson? Like what? It, it, it he's a below average starting left tackle, and you extend him for fifty one million. Really? Like it's bad. What's Trent doing? Yeah. He's he's just know. bad. I, <laughs> I think that kind of confirmed that Trayvon Walker is probably going number one because you, you don't extend a dude and then take a, a left tackle, a franchise left tackle, if that's if that's your plan. But but that's what makes me think that Trayvon Walker is confirmed. To me, I wouldn't have done it until like maybe announced it like two minutes before the draft, sitting everyone in frenzy. Are you going to take a tackle or not? Now I think it kind of takes out the suspense. But yeah, I mean, we might not get a tackle go off till four or five, and, and that's insane to me. Just with the the level of uh, dominance both of them showed this season, it, it it just doesn't make sense to me personally. But but I mean, the NFL is enamored with these these edge rushers. Obviously, uh, Hutchinson, Walker, Thibodeau. Um, Jermaine Johnson. So we'll see what happens. But to me, it seems like we're going to get three defensive players potentially go off the board uh, before we even get a tackle off the board, which is crazy. Just just how the NFL is trending, you would think a tackle is a little bit more premium at this mm-hmm. point. But, yeah, you know, I, I also understand this this defensive class is, is, is pretty stout. Yeah, I, I think the reason the NFL is so infatuated with this edge class is because, like, this is the best edge class we've had in a few years. And I think the NFL is in with just how bad the quarterback class is this year. Um, I think the NFL just kind of want to take they, – they want to take advantage of how good this pass rush group is. Um, and a lot of the – I could see – most of these guys potentially being formidable starters in the NFL, assuming they're landing in a situ in a good situation and they're able to um, develop their skill set correctly, and um, and by year three or year four they're formidable starters, and we'll look at this draft class back in three years or um, yeah, in three years in twenty twenty five and say, you know, this is one of the best edge classes in. Um, in a very, very long time um, with a lot of really good talent. Um, and, and speaking on defensive players, my top four players on my big board are defensive players. Kyle Hamilton is my player one. Kayvon Thibodeau is player two. Andrew Booth is player three. And what I want to discuss about Booth here in just a second, then Derek Singley is my number four um, player on my board booth and stingley are very close together but i want to talk about booth for a second because it it feels like there's a lot of there's a lot of di- uh, diversity in terms of opinion with booth um some have him as um cb5 some have him as cb1 like i do um some i i still think he could probably go top 15 but it wouldn't surprise me to see him fall late in round one. Um, but I'd be shocked to see him drop out of the first round entirely. Like he is one of the best cornerbacks, if not the best cornerback in this draft class. So Devin, like it, it is a first round fallout from 
Andrew Booth possible, especially with um, the injury he's dealt with during this entire draft process? Yeah, I think so. And, and it really is because of injuries. Uh, you know, I've, I've learned over the last 24 hours or so that medicals are the, the big reason why NFL teams don't view them as highly as a, you know, Ma Gardner or Derek Stingley. And, and Stingley has his own fair share injuries, but uh, with, you know, Booth, it was like soft tissue related and, uh, you know, it, it was kind of nagging throughout the season. So he played pretty banged up which probably explains why he wasn't as always, you know, explosive or wasn't always making uh, the the plays we see accustomed to see him making over the last couple of years. I think it makes a lot of sense on, on, I feel like sometimes he didn't take as many chances and it makes sense now because he was playing through injury. So I think for him, I could certainly see him still go in the first round, but I think it's probably going to be the latter part more so than the top 15, top 20. His talent is, is top 10, top 15 worthy. Oh, yeah. But but the, the injuries, uh, I think, are, are going to be the reason, you know, he, he doesn't go as high as expected. And he certainly can turn out a better career. We talked about this a couple podcast episodes ago. He certainly can turn out a better career than Stingley or Gardner. But it's just going to be about now, can he be healthy? You know, yeah. I think it's going to be the biggest thing. And – when I think of landing spots for Booth um, on the back end, the first round of late te- in the late twenties, I mean, um, I-, I think of Buffalo, maybe Arizona, um, Kansas City, like the, and maybe even Detroit if they decide to just. And if Booth is still on the board at thirty-two, I could see Booth being a pick there. At 32, um, if they decide not to draft a quarterback um, with their 32nd pick, uh, because more than likely it will be an edge rusher uh, with the second overall pick, and um, and I I got the feeling that we could see Aiden Hutchinson fall, not not a lot, but a tiny bit, maybe a few more picks than we expected. Um, which could mean the Jets are could be very well positioned to be taking one of the best pass rushers and arguably one of the best players in the NFL draft um, at fourth overall, maybe even the Giants. Imagine, could you imagine a scenario where Aiden Hutchinson is still available once Carolina is on the board at six, is there a scenario like that? Only way I can see that scenario is if the Steelers trade up to five and, you know, the Jets decide to, to pass around. Yeah. yeah, to get Malik Willis or somebody trade up to get a quarterback. That's the only way I could see that realistically happening. But to me, if he falls out of two or three, the Jets almost have to take him no matter who's on the board. Yeah, just because he was he was such this this enigma where he was like the first round or the first overall pick for months, you know, after a dominant season at Michigan, and then obviously Trayvon Walker has emerged now. All of a sudden, he's the number one pick. Lions would they pass up on him for a Thibodeau or someone else? We don't know. I mean, it, it's it remains to be seen. There's a lot been a lot of smoke screens this week, so we'll see yeah. what happens. But especially in the last to, 24 hours, 
Like, right. But uh, I, I could see him falling to four, but I just can't imagine a scenario unless Ike Yaquano was on the board alongside Hutchinson that I could see him falling past four. Mm-hmm. But um, even even at, even at five, think about the Giants, though. Would they trade out of the pick? You know, uh, if they have much there? I don't know. I, That's a tough one. Yeah. It. It's hard to imagine Hutchinson falling, like even that far, um, especially with how we've seen the whole draft process play out. Now we're expecting Walker to be the first overall, first overall pick, and like going and look. So someone asked me like, why is Trayvon Walker? Why does Trayvon Walker have a second round grade for you, but he's being projected as the top pick um, in most mock drafts? The difference between a mock draft and a big board is a big board is more just kind of ranking players together, um, not really projecting where like they're slated to go in um, each draft slot. It's more um, a mock draft is where you slot players of where you think they're going to go. Trayvon Walker, the only reason he has a second round grade for me is because he has yet to develop a consistent or even a legitimate pass rush plan. That's the only reason he doesn't have a first round grade. If he had some, if he had flashed somewhat of a pass rush plan, I wouldn't have any problem with Walker going number one. Heck, I'd probably even push for it because Walker possesses insane athleticism for the position. I know I'm kind of rambling off here, but um, it's kind of crazy to me that Hutchinson. After, and I I mocked Hutchinson number one overall um, in my last mock draft, and now that looks like it's probably not going to be a reality, but that, that's fine. My mock drafts are wrong anyway. They're all wrong. Um, mock drafts are pointless. We should get rid of them, blah, blah, blah. Never mind. Uh, but, yeah, it's just if Hutchinson lands to New York at four, man, like that – that that would be a perfect fit in Robert Sala's defense. Like, having that star pass rusher. Like, I don't remember the last time the Jets had a star pass rusher on their defense. Um, it's been a while. And I think if they land Hutchinson and you hope Quinn and Williams steps up, in, um, steps up this upcoming season, I, I, I think they have two good players – there and especially and also they're able to maybe even land Kyle Hamilton with the tenth overall pick, like that would be a home run first round for the for the Jets. And we could also see the Jets trade up into the first round, especially if they see a player that they think could be available. They have to. They have plenty of day two picks. Um, they have two picks in the second round. One of them they got from Carolina in the Sam Darnold trade. Um, don't want to talk about that, <clears throat> um, but uh, it, it, you know the Jet, the Jets are. I think this is going to be a really good draft for the Jets, and it allows them to develop the roster around Zach Wilson. The Jets aren't going to make the playoffs next year. Let's just get that out of the way. But I like the direction they're going because you know if they're able to surround Zach Wilson with more talent at wide receiver, um, maybe they make a trade for Debo Samuel potentially after the draft, but you know, it, 
there, there's a lot of storylines to follow, and you, we could just go off on a tangent left and right on what could happen with this team and that team. But I want to talk about who the most polarizing team in this in this draft is, like it, in the first round at least. So um, I feel like we've discussed this um, in past episodes, but I kind of want to get your thoughts on this, Devin. Um, who is the most polarizing team in the first round, or especially in the first 10 picks? I'm going to say the Texans because I feel like their pick at three could set off a chain reaction of events that either we're not prepared for or other teams are not prepared for. Mm -hmm. Because we've heard a myriad of players possibly going number three to them. We recently heard Derek Stingley, which I think will really shake up the draft because then that almost guarantees one of one of the two tackles, uh, Equanu or Neo, are going to fall potentially past five or six and maybe into that seven range, which then makes it interesting for teams in the teams mm-hmm. because that means they can trade up and go get them, you know, like teams like the Saints or the Chargers. Like I did a mock draft today uh, or fi- a final one today with Mike, and we had the Chargers trading up to get Evan Neal at seven because he fell wow. So I think that's a scenario that I don't think people are talking about a lot is that if the Texans do decide to go with a defensive back, whether that be Stingley or Gardner, although I do think Stingley would shake it up a lot more because people are expecting Gardner to go in the top five. And I think that could push him down a little bit, maybe in a seven, eight, nine range instead of the, mm-hmm. the five or six range or, you know, kind of the four five range, I should say not six necessarily, but you know, he, he that could said that could be the first one, and then obviously the Panthers are, are the next one in line, in my opinion, because those two teams, we don't know which way, which direction they're going to go. Because the Texans, on one hand, they need a lot of positions, right? But to them, it's just going to be who's the best player on the board. They could go Thibodeau, they could go Stingley. Um, I mean, they could go Hutchinson if he falls past two. I mean, we don't, we really don't know what's going to happen with them. Then the Panthers are up. Are they going to take a quarterback? Are they going to take an offensive lineman? You know, are they going to take another skill position? I mean, it, the, the the possibilities are endless with those two teams, and I think they are the two teams that I look at in the top ten, and I cannot pin who exactly they're going to get because it feels like they have a few or a lot of needs or not necessarily Carolina has a lot of needs, but they certainly have a position group they need to improve or a couple of them, but the Texans have a lot of needs that could be addressed at any point. I also have the number 13 pick. So that makes it a little bit difficult to figure out which direction they're going to go. Then like I said, the Panthers are are one of the biggest uh, questions of all, because if they take a quarterback, surely someone that is, is, was expected to go in the top five or just in the top five or six picks or is going to slide. Yep. Because then after Carolina, you got the Giants, they want to edge rusher or tackle or defensive back if it gets to that. So we know there are three needs. Falcons need a receiver and quarterback. We know they need there. So they're not really looking for a tackle. They're not looking really looking for a DB. They could take Kyle Hamilton, which also could make things interesting. But mm-hmm. – 
than Seattle at nine. We don't know where they're going to go either. They could go tackle a quarterback as well. So then all of a sudden, you know, it, it's a lot of chaos. And then you, someone's going to trade them in the top 10. I know that for a fact. It, it's just going to happen. But it's just who's who are they going to trade up for? I think that's the biggest question. Yeah, Houston is definitely one of those polarizing teams that, like, they can really go anyone. Like, they could be the team that makes the most surprising pick of all. Um, we don't know who that would be. Um, could they reach for a player we don't – we never expected – possibly but they do have picked their team which i think if they wanted to reach on someone they do it at 13 instead of three where the risk is higher at three now i i believe Derek stingley should be the third overall pick um like i um i know um fellow texan um jordan war um, he does really good work, um, good draft work, and want to give a shout out to him. And um, I, I've been keeping up with what he thinks on what the Texans are going to do, um, what are really the fits. Um, he says Stingley isn't really that much of a fit with um, um, Levy Smith's defense. But however, in my opinion, I, I think Stingley offers a lot of upside and I think he can uh, he can grow as as a zone corner. Um I mean he's a really good zone corner but he had he there are some areas where like you can kind of touch up on and maybe like hey instead of doing this do that in zone. Um like spatial awareness was inconsistent at times but like Singley's tape from 2019 to 2021 and the limited games he played in 2021 still really good tape. I mean, what some of the best tape out there for any corner. Um, so I think, yeah, Stingley is definitely going to shake up the draft. If he, if he goes three, they could, de- we could definitely see edge rushers go one, two, three. That'll definitely shake things up. Um, that could also mean, um, um, Iguanu or Neil or Cross going um, to either New York or um, either or either New York team, um, the Giants, the Jets, um, and then you have Carolina. Now, Carolina is an interesting case because they have yet to show their hand at all. They they have not tipped. Anyone like some fans are speculating, even after Scott Fitter's press conference, um, and saying like, "Oh, Panthers are definitely taking a quarterback." There, there was no indication they were going to take a quarterback. Um, there's no indication they're going to take an offensive tackle either. Um, there's no indication they're even going to be picking at six overall. Um, and Fitter made a good point that um, that uh, I'm trying trying to word it the way he did. Um, and he said something like, um, like they, they will take the best players available, um, whether that's a quarterback, whether that's an offense tackle, edge rusher, what have you. Um, but I, I could definitely see a scenario where if they, if they get a good enough offer and if they feel like they can trade back a few spots, maybe with like Seattle, um, and still able to get 
a really good player um, at ninth overall. Um, I, I think they would take that opportunity. Now, if the Steelers are worried that Carolina is going to be taking a quarterback, I could definitely see them jumping up with the New York Giants. Um, and if Carolina does take an offensive tackle and and the Steelers are worried the Falcons might get um, might get their hands on Malik Willis, I could see them even trading with Atlanta. I, I know that Pittsburgh, I, I think we one of the most um, hard-kept secrets or one of the least-kept secrets in the entire league has been um, the Steelers' uh, infatuation with Malik Willis. I mean, he they love him, absolutely love him. So I could definitely see the Steelers being or trying to trade up into the top 10 for Malik Willis. Um, I think what Carolina could do in the draft, this is my expectation at the moment. Um, as I'm sitting here recording this episode, I believe it's going to be an offensive tackle at six um, and then either in day three um, or after the draft, they end up trading for a quarterback, whether that's Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo. I, that's cur- that's currently where I stand right now with Carolina. Um, but I could very much easily see a scenario where they trade back. How far they trade back, just it, it, it will depend on the team. And if, say, Kayvon Thibodeau was, Kayvon Thibodeau was still on the board, at six overall, um, I could see someone trying to trade up for him. Maybe Philadelphia. Very much a possibility. Um, maybe even Baltimore tries to trade up for Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, maybe even Seattle tries to trade up for Kayvon Thibodeau if he were available at six. Um, but there there are so many scenarios that could happen with Carolina. Um, but I, I just don't see a quarterback happening at six. Now a lot can change between what when we're recording right now to um, to whoever's listening to this um, hours before the draft. So many things can change. We all know this. We've seen it before. We've seen it happen. But I, I'm very curious what Caroline could do. That that's going to be that in Houston is really where I'm going to be like okay the draft. The draft really, like, really gets chaotic if the Texans do this or Carolina does that. So that that's that's kind of what I'm interested in too. Um, let's talk about wide receiver um, because I'm really interested to, to know where the run on wide receivers will begin in the first round. Like in my last mock draft. I had Garrett Wilson going to the Saints. You're welcome. Um, so that's the latest I could see a run going or, or starting um, with the Saints. But I could also see a receiver go as high as eight to Atlanta. So I kind of want to know your thoughts on this, Devin. Um, like, where do you see the run starting? Or do you see the run on wide receivers starting? Because I, I think it could really start anywhere, um, either the top 10 or 
um, late in the teens um, or even in the twenties. So I kind of want to see, I kind of want to know your point of view on that. Yeah. To me, I think the mid teens seem to be the sweet spot uh, in terms of where they could go. Cause the Eagles, the saints and Chargers all need receivers. You know, they, they all, they all need, they all have a need for that receiver. When I look at the earlier group, like the Commanders at 11, um, at 12, the Vikings, at 13, um, the Texans, and at 14, the Ravens, realistically, uh, it's a luxury pick to get a receiver uh, outside of the Commanders. When you look at the Vikings, they have a need a receiver, but do they ultimately need it right now? Not necessarily. Uh, the Texans... They just want to build depth at premium positions, so I don't really see them going receiver. Um, and then 14 with the Ravens, certainly not. After after last year, putting a lot of uh, a lot of effort into drafting receivers and then adding to that. I mean, they group. just they just drafted Rashad Bateman, so yeah. I, I don't so, see any. <laughs> I, I, and and Tylen Wallace as well. And so yeah. they they've put a, a lot of uh, capital in receivers. So when I look at that. I think it has to start at either 15 or 16. But there's a caveat. It just depends on who's on the board. So I think the latest maybe is 17 or 18, where you, you start to get into that into the 20s. But the earliest, uh, I mean, it could the first one got off the board at eight. So then, I mean, there, there's been rumors that the Eagles want to trade up to get a receiver in their very enamored with James Williams. So mm. we could have a receiver run pretty early. It could be eight, nine, and 10. I mean, it ultimately. So I think the earliest is eight, nine, 10, depending on what the Falcons select one. But I yep. think the first receiver off the board would come, come off at eight at the earliest. But the latest, I would say, is probably like seven, 18, 19, uh, around that area because – uh, that would just mean some really good players fell and teams traded up to get them. So that means the, the teams that traded back are now back on the clock and, and now they're just going BPA. So that's that's why I kind of think of where where the receiver run, uh, run could start and, and where, where it could go from there. How far do you see Kyle Hamilton falling? I don't see him falling past 11 with the commanders. Um, I don't know. I, I mean I could see them passing on him, but but I don't I don't think the Texans would pass on him twice. I think thirteen will be the lowest that he could possibly fall. I'd be shocked but if he passed the Texans. I, yeah, but I, I, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I mean, this is what happened to Derwin James, you know, uh, back when he was selected. So um, imagine the Chargers double like going three safety look. Derwin James, Nazir Adelier, Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah, forget it. Don't don't throw downfield. Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, you can Probably. still you can still run on him, but throwing will be will be uh very hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to me that the top player in this draft class, in my opinion, is not even going to be drafted in the top five or even the top eight. 
he may fall all the way to 11 or even 13. That just blows my mind. He may even fall further than that, which it would even would just shock me. I'd be like, yeah, that falls dumb. What are we doing? I, I get position, uh, positional value, but if you think Kyle Hamilton is a very good football player and can make an impact on your football team um, at a very high level, I'd take him top three. I'd take him at third overall. Like, he has that talent. He, he is the best safety. Yeah, he is the best safety I've ever evaluated. Um, And I I don't really get the, the speed concerns because all I see on tape is explosiveness, and I think that's very important for a safety, especially if you're coming downhill or if you're dropping, um, dropping into deeper zones um, uh, and playing with range, um, great awareness, IQ, effort. I mean, we saw on tape against Florida State, he was just making absurd plays on the ball from the opposite hash. Like, let's not overthink this. But, of course, the NFL will, and he'll fall more likely to Washington. Um, and I very I, I am expecting Kyle Hamilton to be a Washington commander. Um once um once tonight is over with. Um and I think that would be huge for Washington because they truly need someone to be a force on that back end. Um and it would be the best safety they've drafted probably since Sean Taylor. Um and I it, it would make me it would honestly make me really happy to see Washington have a really good safety on that back end to be like, hey, this guy could be a very special player in the NFL. Um, Taylor could have been one of the best defensive players ever. Um, God rest his soul. Um, but and I, I I would hope that Washington, um, if Hamilton is available, they sprint to the podium and take Hamilton. So. Um, who do you think will be the surprise player drafted in the first round? My pick is Logan Hall. Yeah, I can certainly see that. Um, I can see him going not, not only in the 20s, maybe even the teens. Like, I can see a team really liking him. His safe is good. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit different. Um, this is a player that I think is perfectly made for the New England Patriots. And I go Leo Chanel from Wisconsin. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I can just see them being enamored with his, uh, you know, his skill set. You know, he's a he's a downhill thumper uh, at the linebacker position. Wasn't really asked to, to do a whole bunch in the, uh, you know, like coverage game. While he was at, um, well, he was at Wisconsin, but but I, I think the profile, the testing, uh, you know, and, and just the history of what Bill Belichick and and you know the the Patriots have done in the past, I feel like he's a player that just makes sense for them. So I would say Leo Chanel, I, and I don't have any sources or anything on that, but, but I just think he he will make a lot of sense. Uh, for for that team, 
Yeah, Leo Chanel, linebacker number one on my board. He is ranked. Let me pull it up. Um, I I I fell in love with Leo Chanel when I finally watched his tape about two weeks ago. Um, and I was like, this is this is linebacker number one. Um, yeah, linebacker number one. Um, he's just he is so good against the run. Probably the best run defending linebacker in this draft class. Um, just so good with processing plays in front of him. Um, like block shedding, great tackler, uh, great blitzer and pass rusher when you need him to. Um, excellent run defender, incredible power, um, and just a nonstop motor. Um, he is currently ranked on my board at 22 overall um, with a second round grade. I only have 20 first round grades. Um, how many? How many uh, first round grades did you have on your board? Yeah, I had 24. 24. Okay. 20 is the lowest I've had yet, and I've noticed a trend with my first round grades since I started doing this in 2018. 2018, I think I had 31, and then just start gradually going down. And now I had, now I, now it's at 20 um, this year. I expect it to go back up next year because I think there's going to be a lot of really good players in next year's class. Just, uh, just kind of preliminary look, like it lo- looks like a good group next year, um, based on what I've seen on like TV and like little glimpses of film and whatnot, but. Next year's class looks good, but we're not talking about 2023. We're talking about 2022, but um, this linebacker class, it's got a lot of depth. I will say that. It's got plenty of depth. You get some starters for sure. Um, Developmental talent, um, Darren Beavers from Cincinnati is one I I really like as a developmental Mike linebacker. that can also rush the passer if you need him to on uh, passing downs. Um, he, he is a bigger linebacker. He's um, a good closing speed downhill. Um, I could see him going day two. Um, could see him falling to day three, honestly. But, um, but yeah, this is a – I don't see a linebacker going in the first round. I, well, honestly – I could see him. I could see a linebacker going in the first round, but I don't expect one to go in the first round. Um, are you kind of on the same page? In that I one or two to go in in the first round, and I think it's going to be more towards the back end. Or if I think there's a few teams that maybe if they trade it back, they go after the linebacker. Someone like a New York Giants, maybe they go a Devin Lloyd or or Nicobe Dean or something like that. Uh, on the back end, but but uh, yeah, I see at least one going in the first round, um, if if not two, and I think it's mm-hmm. it will be Lloyd. I guess it would be Lloyd or Dean, but but I could certainly see like a Leo Chanel working his way. I know Quay Walker has gotten some hype, but I ultimately think he's going to be a second round pick. I, I'm on that same page too. Um, I I'm. I saw this the other day. There are eight teams, eight teams without a first round pick this year. Miami, Miami, Las Vegas, Cleveland, Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Um, 
trying to think who else. Shoot. Um, Denver. And who am I missing? Rams. Yeah, the Browns. Yeah. The Rams. I already I said the Rams. Oh, you said the Rams already? Yeah. So Broncos. 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 Browns, Broncos, Dolphins, Raiders, Niners, Bears. Uh, I'm losing track. <laughs> yeah. We can move I don't on. Know. They, I, I, they, I know, saw they know who they are. <laughs> yeah, we know who they are. We're fine. We're fine. It's all good. It's all good. Nothing to worry about. I mean, they're not in the first round anyway, so who cares about them? <laughs> Honestly, they're not going to be the center of attention until maybe midday two or something. Yeah, I'm I'm curious who Cleveland's going to take after Deshaun Watson. I take a receiver. <laughs> I certainly know they're going after a receiver. To me, it's just about who they're going to take. Imagine Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks was available oh, at 44. Ooh. we don't need that. Yeah, we do. I, I I want to see Traylon Burks in that offense. That would be fun, fun, fun. J- just looking at a player aspect, by the way. So, um, trying to think what else we could discuss. Um, there's so much to discuss. We could be talking about this for like a couple hours, but I know we don't want a two-hour-long podcast and be like, by the time this podcast ends, well, we're the, by the time you guys are done listening, the NFL draft would already start. <laughs> so we don't want that to happen, but um, we could go on for hours with this, but try and think of something else. Um, who do you think, uh, who's the player do you think will most likely fall the furthest? That's a tough one. Um it, it's tough because it, it, to me, it just really depends on if there's a team or two that passes on them, then what happens after that? I don't know, man. Does this, Booth count? I don't know if Booth counts. Yeah, I don't think he counts because he was never really, like, since maybe preseason, you know, like he was yeah. getting, you know, top five, top ten mocks. So, Um, maybe, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. Jamison Williams, maybe, uh, eh, Garrett Wilson, maybe, um, trying to think of who could fall. I mean, maybe Hamilton, you know, maybe he falls into the late teens, um, Thibodeau, maybe. maybe. Kenyon Green? Yeah, he, he could fall out of the, the first round. I mean... Tyler Linderbaum? <laughs> I mean, that's the big one. I think yeah. most people have him as a top 15 player. Oh, but. Browning, Browning and Austin would be pissed if Linderbaum, if the Cowboys skipped on Linderbaum. Pissed. At least yeah, they get Daxon Hill. Though. At least they get Daxon Hill in return, though. Maybe. I mean, yeah. they might just take Traylon Burks if he's there. So mm, that's a good point. That's a really good point, man. 
I wish we could talk about the Miami Dolphins just so we can mess with Dante here on the podcast. That'd be fun. But then he then he'd leave then he'd leave the site and that would not be good at all. (laughs) Well, I mean, you can't make fun of them now because I mean they they have quite the weaponry right now. Uh, yeah. And if they add Debo, I mean they're still somehow connected to Debo in some way. I'm like, you get Debo. Hill and Waddle, Tua has no excuses. He's got none. Zero. Like, you get Debo, Hill, and Waddle as your weapon, as your receiving core, that's the best receiving core in football. And Tua has no excuses. Plus, he had Mike Kizeki. I'm And you just signed Taron Armstead. I'm like, how can Tua not improve? Like, that. That that would be interesting, but... Um. Yeah, there's so much to talk about in this draft class. Um, we'll look at the board, see if we can talk about a player. Um, where do you think Jordan Davis could be drafted the highest? I would say eight. Um, yeah. I could see him. I could see the Falcons just being completely enamored. I can also see someone trading up for him, you know, someone like Baltimore, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they, I'm sure they will want a player like that. And there's a good chance that he's not there at 14 because the Texans are picking at 13 and who's to say they won't take what about Minnesota, you know? Minnesota. I don't, I don't really see them that enamored with them though. To me, I feel like if Minnesota is going to go, a player, they're probably going to go skill position, like corner, receiver, yeah. you know, one of those premium positions. I, I just don't see him as a direct fit for what the Vikings bring. So I would say eight's the earliest uh, that he could go off the board. But but after eight, I don't really know where he could go because, you know, to me, does a team feel threatened enough that he might go off the board? Maybe. We don't know what's going to happen with that. I could, see, I could see Davis going to Seattle. Honestly, that would be a Seattle pick. Yes, um, it would. It would definitely be a Seattle pick. This point, we kind of we we kind of need to expect this, honestly, yeah. and we need to keep a very close eye on Ben Glassmeyer. because well, he'll be happy because it's not uh, Trevor Penning. So, yeah, true. I'll be the only thing. Yeah. I, I mean, Penning's so interesting. Like, I saw someone saying, like, several weeks ago, he's a – he has day one traits, day three tape. Yeah. I mean, he, he's got a lot yeah, of work on it. Is. But I think if – I think if he lands in the right spot and he can really fix up some of his um, technique issues and whatnot – I think he could be the one 2.0. Like he has got that aggressiveness to him, but I he needs to get that under control because that was an issue at, at the senior bowl. Was yeah, he he was he almost got Desmond Ritter's knees all messed up because he basically threw a threw a defensive lineman at his knees. So ugh, I yeah, Penning's got a lot to work on, but I just hope Penning doesn't become the six overall pick. That that would, ooh, I, I don't think I'd be very happy. 
at all. Yeah, I mean, to me, I feel like he's going to go in the top 10, even though he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's, it's the NFL. They're a traits-based league, and they want to yeah. – they're an armored with it. Um, I almost gave Penning to uh, – I almost gave the Saints Penning in my mock draft. So, I mean, to be honest, I don't think that will be far-fetched because at that point – that's the kind of better value. Time. Yeah, that's kind of better value too. Um, I did give the Saints Desmond Ritter. So I mean, I I don't I, like I said I don't dislike it, you know, because to me, I mean, I actually I actually like Ritter. I I don't completely. That's right. You do him. like Ritter. I keep yeah. So, like, I I don't completely dislike him. I do think there are things obviously he can work on and you know improve, but. I, I I don't think it's a terrible, like, god-awful pick. I just think they would address the receiver position at some point. You know, they can't keep waiting, you know, mm-hmm. years and years to, to address it. They got to do it now because it doesn't matter who starts at quarterback because if he has nobody to throw it to, then it, it's kind of, you know, a, a moot point. So, right. Um, Which coach in this draft do you think – is who who's on the hot seat the most in this draft? Uh, certainly the Panthers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just like they they have to do something. So I don't know if that decision is going to be the correct one, but they they have to do something to to keep the job. So. I think they're certainly the, the the one on the hot seat the most heading into the draft because mm-hmm. a lot of these other teams are still in new regimes or, you know, entering year two or year three of the regimes. Yeah. The Carolinas is you you got to – it sucks. He's in a, a hard position because it, it honestly doesn't matter what he does. I, you know, it's, it's pretty much pretty much done unless they make a Super Bowl run or something, you know. Yeah. But, and, and Tepper had a press conference today, didn't really – show anything but i got the sense like even if they they do improve in some way it's just like yeah it it doesn't feel like rules gonna be the coach um after this season but i'm honestly really nervous about tomorrow or today if you're listening to if anyone's listening to this i'm kind of nervous for the panthers in this draft because last year like kind of had a understand like I would have been fine with a corner I would have been fine with a quarterback I would have been fine with the offensive tackle last year this year it's like I feel like if the only way Carolina would be at least somewhat competitive is taking a franchise left tackle at six and then trading for either Mayfield or Garoppolo I feel like that's that would be the best path. And Fitter made an interesting point at his during his presser the other day um, by saying, you know, CJ Henderson is considered as um, their third round pick this year since they did trade a third um, for him. So um, if anything, if they do trade back, I expect them to pursue a second round pick. Um, maybe, maybe a higher second round pick. So, 
we'll see what happens with Carolina, but I'm a little bit nervous um, with that. Who do you think? What's your final guess for the Saints? I think it's tackle and receiver. Um, you know, gut feeling tells me if like an Evan Neal or a Kim McQuano make it past like seven or eight, I think they would temp- be tempted to trade up to get one of those guys. But but I think they kind of stay put and, and see what falls to them. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, if Penny falls to them, I think they select him at 16 and a receiver at 19 because there's a good chance there will be one there. Uh, but if Penning's not there, I think they take a receiver at 16, evaluate their options at 19, maybe trade back, recruit some more day two picks, possibly, uh, or in, in maybe uh, wait a little bit longer to get a tackle and get somebody like a Tyler Smith or, or Bernard Ryman or, uh, at some point. Uh, but I think they, they're going to get a receiver and tackle. I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. Yeah. Um, it'll be really interesting to see the where the quarterbacks end up going because I feel like I could definitely see only two quarterbacks going in this draft. Like I could definitely see that happening, but I could also see at least five going. Um, like I could see Carson Strong going the first round. Like I could see that as a real possibility. Um, but yeah, there there's. This year's draft is very – there's so much unknown, especially with the first pick. I feel like even though we kind of know who the first round – who the first pick is, still don't really know if if you kind of know what I'm trying to say. is like we do know, but we don't know. Um, yeah. there's, there's there's so much smoke, so, many, so much misinformation. Like they're trying to get teams are trying to get other teams to do weird stuff. It's going to be chaotic uh, tonight in the NFL draft. Um, Devin and I are really much looking forward to it. Um, And I'm very excited to see what happens. Um, But this has been a very exhausting draft process for sure. And I'm kind of looking forward to writing my uh, final 2022 uh, draft review articles, um, or at least an article, um, whether that's for Blue Chip Scouting or for Cat Crate Bonk. Um, but I, I'm super excited for tonight. I'm looking forward to seeing who the number one pick will be. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how the draft shapes up for the Texans and the Carolina Panthers. Um, and for Devin, I'm looking forward to seeing how what the Saints end up, end up doing. And the draft this year will most definitely start at number one. It's not as predictable as the last few years where you already knew who the first round pick or who the first overall pick is going to be. The draft legitimately will start at one, Um, like literally start at number one here in just a few hours. Um, And we're super excited for it. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for, for being a part of the 2022 NFL draft process. We'll see you on the other side, getting ready for 2023. Peace.